Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thank God for saving me. Let's clap our hands and thank him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, tonight I've got a feeling that everything is going to be all right. I want you to look at two or three people and tell them with an exuberant voice, I've got a feeling everything is going to be all right. Amen, amen, amen. Turn around to somebody else and say, the devil's had a bad day because I know the name above every name. There's still power in the name of Jesus. Hell trembles at the name of Jesus. There's power in the name. Salvation in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Something powerful happens when you call on the name of Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Growing, growing up in church, and I appreciate new songs, the song they sung tonight. I love the new the selection. I said it's awesome. I love it. But hold the keyboard just one minute there, Jillian. But growing up in church, every now and then there was something like this: on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain so I'll cherish the old Till my trophies at last I lay down, I will cling to your and exchange it someday for a that sometimes in the service when the Lord was moving and no one wanted to go home, you'd hear somebody sing something like this. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And then someone stand at the pulpit, some random moment in the service, and they say something like, praise the Lord, everybody. I said, praise the Lord, everybody. Where two or three are gathered together, amen, he is in the midst of them. We've come to praise him tonight. Hallelujah. If it hadn't been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? He picked me up. He turned me around. He set my feet on solid ground. I know the master. I know the savior. I think somebody ought to thank God tonight. Oh, thank God tonight. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want you to shout thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Praise God. Amen. Amen. I feel the Lord here tonight. And I appreciate the newness, but we can't ever get away from what brought us to where we are. We are worshipers. Amen. We are worshipers. Thank you, Jesus. You can return to your seats tonight and grab your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Chronicles. The book of 2 Chronicles. I will finish what I started this morning. Well, at least try. Sometimes preachers just got to quit. They just don't finish. They just got to quit. That's how I felt this morning. There's something that we need to do this evening. We need to fall in love with the house of God again. Seems to be an attack to keep us from the house of God. And while we're here, and I was pretty honest with you this morning talking about being stranded in Atlanta. My wife, my sweet wife, said you probably ought to pray. When you're mad, that's not what you want to hear. Ain't normal people in the building. You ever been too mad to pray? Guilty as charged. Amen. She said, you probably ought to pray. And uh, and I thought, here's the pastor of the church right here. Amen. She's helping me right now. Moments in life. Tired and weary. Got up to go to the house of the Lord anyhow. You're here and the Lord's going to bless you for being here. But like anything else we do, we got to give him all of our heart, all of our strength, and all of our mind tonight. I want to worship him with everything that's within me. Amen. How many want to do that this evening? You want to worship him with everything that's within you. Praise the name of the Lord. The Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles chapter 30, reading with verse 18, for a multitude of the people, even many of the Many of Ephraim and Manasseh, Issachar and Zebulun had not cleansed themselves. Yet did they eat the Passover otherwise than it was written. Meaning the law states you've got to be cleansed before you eat the Passover. Sort of the same way we believe you ought to search your heart before you take communion. They just showed up and ate the Passover. But Hezekiah prayed for them saying, The good Lord pardon everyone that prepareth his heart to seek God, the Lord God of his fathers, though he be not, what? Cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. And the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah and healed the people. Everybody say, God healed the people. He overlooked their ignorance. That's right. And the children of Israel were present at Jerusalem. And the children of Israel that were present at Jerusalem kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with great gladness. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day, singing with quiet instruments. They were singing with loud instruments unto the Lord. When? Day after day. Seven days. There was music and worship in the streets. And Hezekiah spake comfortably unto all the Levites that taught the good knowledge of the Lord and they did eat throughout the feast seven days offering peace offerings and making confession to the Lord God of their fathers and the whole assembly somebody say everybody they took counsel to keep other seven days and they kept other seven days with gladness verse 27 then the priest the Levites arose and blessed the people and their voice was heard And their prayer came up to his holy dwelling place, even unto heaven. They got God's attention. They were so glad to be there. They said, said, can we seek counsel that we can extend the, the feast of the Passover seven more days? We like what we feel. We like what we're receiving here. Can we just stay here another seven days in Jerusalem and do this all over again? And the king said, go ahead. And they rejoiced and sang and worship with gladness. Not less church, but more church. Not less of God, but more of God. It's been so long since we felt this. Can we say one more week and do this all over again? Amen. Praise God. Clap your hands and thank him for his word. Amen. You may be seated as I preach to you tonight from a very famous scripture 
that says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Everybody say it with me. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad to go to the house of the Lord. The setting of this text tonight to understand it is to realize that the kings prior to this, for those that were not here, I'll give you just a short synopsis of what I preached this morning. Uzziah said, I don't need a preacher. I'm strong. I can do this without a priest in my life. Walked in to offer his own incense. He was warned by the priest when he did. He disobeyed with a censer in his hand. Judgment came upon him and leprosy came upon his head. And I said to this morning as I will say to you tonight, leprosy or sin always starts in your head. For when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. When sin is finished, it brings forth death. His decision affected his son. His son's name was Jotham because the Bible says that Uzziah died not going to church. Look at your neighbor and say, it's imperative to go to the house of God. Amen. Watching the video camera screen, listen, can only work so long. You gotta be in the house of God. Assemble yourselves together. How many know it is biblical precedence to go to the house of God and be with the people of God? It really is. It really is. Don't settle for a screen all the time. Get to the house of God. He died not going to the house of God and he had a son by the name of Jotham that did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord but never went to the house of God one time. He had a son that was named Ahaz that not, not only did not go to the house of God but he shut the doors to the house of God so nobody could go. Amen. When you make a choice, you're gonna affect your children. You're going to affect your children's children. Decisions have repercussions. And Uzziah's choice to worship and dictate his worship based upon who he thought he was instead of what he's supposed to do affected his son, now a grandson that never went to the house of God and made, made a decree. He made the doors shut, nailed them shut, fastened them so much so later when they opened them, the doors had to be repaired. He fixed it so nobody could get in the house. May I remind you that this temple was a wonder of the world. This temple was magnificent in splendor. It was glorious in, in, in beauty, but it was now closed. Church is now closed. And there's no incense burning in it now. There are no, there's no burnt offerings coming from it now. There's no singing. You don't hear the word being read as they would from the temple now. When you go there, it's dark, it's quiet. There's no activity, there's nobody coming in, and there's nobody going out. And now for decades, the church is closed. Not only did Ahaz shut the doors to the church, to the house of God, to the temple, so that nobody could go, he now is looking to Assyrian gods because he lost the battle to an Assyrian king. So he starts tearing down the altar. You know what you gotta be careful of is start tearing down the altar of God. He starts tearing down the altar and forming altars the same way they were, he had actual blueprint from the heathen altars. And he started shaping altars according to heathen altars and the way they did it because he couldn't seem to get victory in his kingdom. You know why he couldn't get victory? Because he's trying to be blessed without living according to the law. He was, trying, he, he was trying to have victory without having God in his perspective, without having God in front of him. Can I say to you today, you can declare war without God, but you can't win the war without God. That's the truth. We've got to have God. Amen. Our power... Our victory is not in our personality. It's not in our abilities. It's not in how many swords we have, how many spears we've got. Our victory is because the Lord is on our side. We are living for the Lord, and it is God that gives us the victory. He builds altars to heathen gods, and it's not long until 
you know, choices never affect just the person making the choice. I said it this morning, I'll move on, but it's gonna affect the kids until it's not long that you take the child and the child is gonna be now placed on the altar and he takes his shoes off and he causes Hezekiah to walk across hot coals of an altar. You read it, it's in there. He caused his children to pass through walking, it's called asceticism, walking barefoot across hot coals of heathen altars, trying to get some heathen God. And we can judge, we can judge Ahaz all we want, but it's possible Ahaz would have never been in this condition if his dad hadn't and his grandfather hadn't made the decision that he made. I sometimes trying to reach people that are products of a family decision. They're products of something grandma and grandpa stopped going to the house of God. Their parents never took them to the house of God. They're raised not knowing anything out from God and they're seeking and searching and doing wrong things because they never had a chance in the house of God. And he takes his own kids and he passes them through barefooted on hot altars until their feet are scarred and maimed. But when Ahaz dies, his name was Hezekiah that would have had scars on his feet. He saw what going away from God did. He's the product of somebody's decision that said, we don't need to go to church anymore. We don't need to be at the house of God anymore. Now, he, the great-grandson, is bearing, the great-grandson is now bearing the scars of a decision that generations ago made. The Bible says, be careful about decisions you make because it can affect down to the third, even to the fourth generation. Be careful, and I said it this morning. Men, you can make a 14-minute decision that you'll have to live with for 14 years. Be careful what website you get on or what person that you hang out with and where you go and what you do. I'm preaching to you right now. You better be careful because a 14-minute decision can affect you forever. I heard it preached years ago and I feel like preaching to you. It's not how you start this race that matters. It's how you finish this race that really matters. Hezekiah, you started humble. Hezekiah, you were 16 years old. You didn't have wisdom. You didn't have, you didn't have strength. You didn't have experience. But the Bible says as long as he sought the Lord, the Lord prospered him. But the Bible also tells us some, some years later when he became strong, he's got enough money now. He's got wisdom now. He's a world leader now. He's created the catapult and, and the, the battering ram and war technology. Everybody's looking to it. Now he doesn't need the Lord. Now he doesn't need the preacher. Now he doesn't need the house of God. I come to tell you, you better be careful to get into a place where you don't need God in your life. You don't need prayer. You don't need fasting. You don't need devotion. It will always lead to destruction. Amen. Can I preach to this congregation tonight? Don't just start this race well, end it well. Don't start it humble, end it humble. Don't start, end well. Look at somebody around you and tell them, say it's not how you start it, it's how you end it that matters. It's how you end this that matters. What would have happened if he would have set those kids on his knees and said, you need that priest in your life? If he had set the kids on his knees and say, look, there's some things you can't do. There's some things only some others can do in your life. You need the body of Christ. Just because you're the king doesn't give you the ability to offer your own incense. Oh, can I put it this way? Don't ever get to a place that you dictate how you're gonna worship before you get here. What I mean was, if I have a bad day, then you know what, I'm just gonna go sit. No, I'm gonna enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. When I get to the house of God, I'm gonna be thankful. You might be going through hell all week, but God's still on the throne. He's still worthy of my praise. Come on, mom and daddy. Everybody's seated but the parents and grandparents. Everybody's seated but the parents and grandparents. Somebody's watching you. The little eyes are watching everything that you do. Don't tell them to worship. Teach them to worship. Don't tell them to pray. Teach them to pray. Show them how to pray. And when chaos is going on and the kids know it 
and you go to the house of God and lift your hands, you know what that brings to the child? Hope. They, they start believing God can take care of this. What I'm saying, don't let your worship be like a heart monitor. It's good one week, dead the next. Good one week and dead the next. Don't base your worship upon your perspective. I told you last week in the sermon that I preached on Sunday night, which was a word from the Lord, is when Jacob is dealing with Rachel. Rachel's having her Benjamin, that, that child, and in childbirth she's dying. And the nurse says to the midwife, says to her, you're gonna have this baby. And she says, I'm gonna name him Benoni, which meant the son of my sorrow. But Jacob, who had lived with the decision of somebody naming him because of a moment, said, oh no, we're not naming him something sorrowful. His name's gonna be Benjamin. He's from God. And I, what I'm saying to you, don't name your worship according to your bad situation. You come in this house and say, oh no, I'm getting good out of this. Something great's coming out of this situation. I know I'm in pain. I know I'm dealing with suffering, but I'm not going to name my future based upon where I'm at. God's been good to me. He's going to bring us through this trial. He's going to bring us out of this situation. Oh, clap your hands and praise him and say, God's going to bring us through this trial. Amen. Amen. We're not to worship how we think we should worship. We worship how God wants us to worship. Praise the name of the Lord. Uzziah made a decision based upon worshiping how he thought it should be instead of how God wanted it. And it caused generational chaos, progression of sin. He dies not going to church. Boy never went to church. Grandson nailed the doors to the church shut so nobody could go. Now he's got his kids on the wrong altars offering them, listen, to the world. It's not long he's got them in some other program that's in the world. Asceticism, fire, ungodly things out there. God have mercy. I don't want my kids in a bar. I want them in an altar. I don't want my kids trying to find something out there down the street that they can find right here in the altar. Y'all listening to me right now? And Hezekiah, somewhere after his dad dies, I don't know how, I've got to dig a little deeper, excuse me for a little lack of knowledge here, but there was something that stirred within him that says we can't t continue on this path of no house of God. This beautiful splendor building that's empty, surely there was a reason it is that it was so magnificent, the reason it was built. Why was it? He starts searching the scripture and the Bible says in his first year of his reign, in the first month, you know what he did? He opened the doors to the house of God. He opened it up. When he opened, he had to repair the doors to the house of God. That olive wood, they were, my, I feel like preaching here for a minute. It wasn't just any wood to the house of God. It was olive wood. The olive wood had carvings on it, and on the carvings of the door to this temple, there were two specific carvings that were there. There were angels, and there were the carvings of lilies. All the carvings were there. Angels and lilies and palm leaves, would have, trees would have been there. You'll find that it represents the ministry of the church and it also represents the saints of the house of God. What represents us in the house of God was what was carved on the door of the house of God. Those those. Those palm branches, the, 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 the lilies that represented life. But you'll find angels were carved on there because it's sort of this way. God told Moses and he said, I'm gonna take your spirit and I'm gonna put it in 70 others also. Can I tell you today, it's not good enough for the preacher to be anointed. The saints have gotta get anointed as well. Listen, I preached in places where I felt like I was all by myself. Because I was there, but people were just, they didn't know their purpose. You've got a purpose in the house of God. And if there's one thing I remember growing up in the house of God, it wasn't just the powerful prophets and the evangelists and the teachers and my pastor preaching. It was also the saints of God that every now and then would sing a song and I could feel the glory. They never preached a revival. They never prophesied. But when they would get up and start singing about the goodness of the Lord, they didn't always hit every note. They weren't always in perfect key, but they had something that I cannot deny. It was the power and the presence of God upon their altar. Amen. I'm thankful for every preacher that preaches, but I'm also thankful for the saints of God that have a walk with the Lord that love him. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. There's something about this church. There's something about this church. I said there's something about the house of God. Amen. I love the seats. I love the people. I also love the traditions. I love the memories. We were talking last night. Can I say to you, we cannot, we need to try to be as good and practice with perfection, give our best to the Lord, but it doesn't mean we've got to have everything perfect before we worship. Let me just word it this way. If the temperature's not right, we got water dropping in buckets up here. Keep that camera above those buckets so people on the line don't see the buckets here catching the water. Come on, like your social media post. You don't ever post a bad picture of yourself. It's not always perfect. I'm going to tell you one of my greatest memories, some of my greatest memories about the house of God. Because once it was shut down, once, once the doors were shut, years of no offerings to the Lord. Years of no word of God being read. Bear with me tonight. Years of no trumpets sounding and psalteries and harps. and There were no hymns, psalms, or spiritual songs being done. Years. There were no golden candlesticks being lit. There was no olive oil flowing from the golden pipes down to the, to the candlesticks. There was no flow. There was no power. There was no noise. It was quiet and empty. Something got a hold of Hezekiah said, it's not right. We got to get the church doors open again. We got to get back to the house of God. Something's got to happen. Something's got to take place. I'll never forget if you, you'll indulge me tonight for a moment as I reminisce, but this year, Cindy and I are going to be married 20 years. In March. Now, I grew up going to church. I, I've, I've missed very few Sundays in 43 years. I was just, Sundays weren't an option. We went to church. And uh, for whatever reason, going on our honeymoon, I forgot my Bible. I did. I don't know why you're laughing out there, but you're about to make me laugh up here. Amen. <laughs> Didn't have a Bible. Days on a cruise. No word. Couldn't read the Bible. Wasn't no Bible to read. We got off the island and poured down in one of the islands in the Caribbean. We walked past and I looked up on the church building. It said, I can still see it. Church starts at 12.15 p.m. I said, honey, why don't we just go in for a minute? She said, okay. We went and sat down. Just a matter of days of not hearing the word. And when that preacher stood to that pulpit, and I still remember, he started reading from the book of Matthew. When I heard the word, something in me started being stirred to the depths because the words of this book are not like words in every other book. Come on now. They could have got up there and read Shakespeare and it wouldn't have done anything for me. But when he said, turn to the book of Matthew, his word is life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Come on now. Don't you sit on your preacher. Don't you, if you're watching on live from any of our campuses and your pastor's up there preaching, don't sit on there and not let you get, fall in love with that preaching of the word of God because there's life in it. There's creative power in the word of God. Amen, the word. Oh, somebody shout amen, the word. Love the word. I wept and I cried. I was wiping tears from my eyes. I don't remember what he preached. I don't know how long we stayed, but when I heard the word, it did something. Could you imagine 10 years of no Bible reading? 10 years, 20 years. No songs being sung. No old rugged cross and no amazing grace. And no the Lord. You imagine being home and you can't go to church? There's no radios then, there's no podcast, there's no sound wave, there's no media. There probably was not a scroll in every home. What did they do? Hungered. I imagine they sat around the table. So you know, 
Last year at this time, we'd have been at the Feast of the Passover for a week. No bags are packed. There's no caravans of camels going out of the, out of the tribe of Zebulun. Issachar's home, Manasseh's home, Judah's home. Nobody is in the streets of Jerusalem like they normally would be and trumpets sounding and feasting. There's, there's, there, there's, there's, there's no gathering of people the next year. And then the next year, no word, no worship, no songs, no praise. Till it's not long, until a generation babies are still being born and they're trying to relay. I know you've never been there, but we, we used to go to the house of God. And uh, Colton, it was, it was amazing. We'd go there and, oh, they'd come from all over. We'd get there. We'd start on the first day and, Oh, we'd consecrate ourselves because we, we'd sanctify ourselves. We'd cleanse ourselves. Before we'd ever touch the holy things of God, our hands would be washed and we'd cleanse ourselves and go and we'd focus on the Lord. Oh, it's those old songs that we would sing. Oh, it was amazing. But you, you, you can tell him about it, but until he experiences it for himself, the fire on the altar, the whole time there was a burnt sacrifice going, there would be a, a choir of Levites singing and there would be music that was playing the entire time that the sacrifice was, the fire was on the altar and, and the anointed priest that would stand there in their, their garments and their ephods and people's confessions toward the Lord. And people would get their heart right with God and they would thank him that he brought them out of Egypt and that they're now in the promised land with all their blessings because if God hadn't brought us out we wouldn't be where we are people would weep and cry and talk about we were strangers in a strange land but look what we've got now the houses we live in and for one week they talked about God bringing them out and because of the blood of the lamb if we're not careful though we could sing about the blood in our church service on a Sunday morning we're like hold on I gotta go to Cracker Barrel you know oh I, I heard him preach that last week didn't he preach the same thing and does he not know that we've got reservations at Tats Pizza and if we're not careful we come to the house of God unappreciated because we hear it week after week hear songs after week we hear the word right there we feel the presence of God and it really doesn't mean anything to us I'm going to tell you the danger of that is when your kids know it doesn't mean anything to you Dad, we going to church today? I don't know. We going to church? We going to go to church Sunday? I'll see. I'll see how it goes. One service away will lead to two services away, to a month away, to a year. You haven't been in the house of God. It's not long. It's no longer important to them either. I'm going to tell you one of the greatest things you'll ever have is when your kids say, hey, oh, I can't wait, Mom. I can't wait, Dad, for church on Sunday. Oh, Dad, you know, uh, and, and the girls come in and say, yeah, I think I'm going to wear this Sunday. When your kids want to be at the house of God, that is one of the most thankful, grateful things you ought to be ever thankful for is your ch children want to be involved. It's the truth. When the babies are saying, that's my church. When the kids want to be at the house. I'll never forget you two awesome young ladies. They, he brought you. Had you ever had them in church before that moment? They'd never been in church service. You are strangers in a strange land. <laughs> Y'all stand up for a minute. I love these kids. They're young ladies. I love them. They're amazing. It was Wednesday night. They didn't know you're supposed to be dignified and sit in your seat. Man, they started singing songs. They liked it. They just got up. They were worshiping. They got up on the steps, walking back and forth. I didn't stop them. I didn't stop them. You know why? Because they could feel what some of us get used to. I don't want somebody that's never been delivered to out-worship me, to out-value, and out-appreciate. Come on, I want to be I don't want somebody that's been in church for one week to value the cross more than I do, to value the word more than I do, to value this more than I do. Searching and hungry. Hezekiah says we've got to get the doors open to this. We've got to get the doors open. I asked somebody today, I said, did you miss the house of God when you were gone for a decade? They said, oh, yeah. I'd even sometimes get on a watch live stream because I'd miss it. 
God, but missing things here. And uh, hallelujah. Can I just be transparently honest with you tonight? There's some services I'm too tired to get here, but I'm coming. Some services, I'm feeling a little older now than I was when I was 25 when I first came. It feels different. You relate with this, Brother Castle? I mean, you look great to be 74. Amen. He's 73, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm teasing. He's not even 73. Hey, there's some times we're running. Sometimes life gets busy. But when we get here, start hearing the songs of Zion. Somebody starts singing when I think of the goodness of Jesus. When they sing those songs about the blood and then we get the word out and we start getting direction, there's something that starts turning over inside of us. I don't want to ever get to a place that I don't value the move of God, the word of God, and the grace to be able to worship God openly in a country that's free. I, I just want to praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, I, I, I'm going to tell you, we're an apostolic church, and so we're very book of acts. That's what we mean. We, we, we pray the way they pray. We experience speaking in tongues the way they do, the gifts of the Spirit. We, we baptize the way they baptize, and we worship the way they worshiped, and we go all the way back, and when they come to the temple, there were some times that crippled people got healed, and they would leap in the house of God and walk and leap and praise them through the house of God, and I think to myself about this. We cannot lose the traditions of, of exuberant worship in the house of God. There are to be something every kiss says, I love it when somebody runs the aisles and leaps for joy and dances before the Lord. I... Come on. We don't come here to go to sleep. We come here to see the glory of the Lord come among us. The power of God come among us. Glory. Hallelujah. Something about the church that's not just the preacher, but it's the pew. Hearing my grandmother go, ooh. Sound crazy to some of you, but I miss it. Watch my dad and mom get out and dance in the aisle. The Holy Ghost, the power of God would fall. I'll never forget this, Brother Putnam. You do look good to be in your 80s. Don't we love Brother Putnam? Our services can't be so perfect that only we can use a few. I'll never forget my dad. My dad would let a man sing in our church. We called him Pop. Pop Angel, he's a big man. In the coal mines, they called him Samson. Wide shoulders, he was a man's man. Somewhere in his 60s, had a stroke, and they found him laying out in the cold in the front yard, never made it to the front door. It had a stroke coming into the house, and they found him the next morning and saw him laying there. Never got his speech back. Couldn't walk real good. But I remember as a kid, he'd come to church, and he was on a walker and had the green tennis balls on the legs of that walker. He'd come in something like this. Never heard him speak one word, but my dad would let him sing. And he'd stand on those services. My dad would let him sing. He couldn't get on the platform, so he'd let him stand right here. And he'd, he'd stand right here, and he'd lean just a little bit onto that walker, and his precious daughter, Martha Angel, would hold the microphone like this up to his mouth, and you'd hear something like this in church. da 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 da, da. And then she'd pull the microphone to her mouth and she'd finish the course. When they ring those golden bells, for you and me, there's a land beyond the river. Woo. Didn't understand a word of it, but I could not. De I could not deny the power of it. There's something in the building that's beyond our giftings. It is the presence and the anointing of God. Woo. 
to tears. It moved me to an altar. And I can't deny those moments that the saints of God ministered to me, prayed for me. I still have some of those Sunday school teachers when I see them. They say, I call your name out, Aaron. Every day of the week, I call your name and I pray over you because church is more than a building. It's more than decor. It's more than carpet and wet carpet and seats. There's something about the atmosphere, the saints of the Most High, the believers of God that walk in here day after day and week after week believing for God to do anything. Amen. They pray. They give. They sacrifice. Thank God for the saints of God. growing up in church that I think we'd miss if we didn't have it would not just be the preaching but it'd be an opportunity to respond altar calls can you believe churches are trying to do away with altar calls what in the world it's not of God and the preacher get finished preaching and he, he would say things like this I'd miss this bow your heads and close your eyes the preacher would say nobody looking around nobody going to the restroom if God's dealing with your heart Come to the altar and repent. You feel your heart flutter because that week you made some mistakes and did some things that weren't right, but you knew God had walked down the avenue of your soul and said, here, I'm still yours and you're still mine. Come on, just repent again and I'll do this for you again. And you went down to the altar. Hallelujah. I'm preaching about the church tonight. I'm talking about something that we cannot lose. It's the traditions of our fathers. The traditions of good old-fashioned church services where there's a move of God and singing and worship but preaching and the word of God and then an opportunity to respond. How many are glad one day you, could, you had the opportunity, you felt like your chest was going to burst. You had to respond to the word of God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I could go around this room and look and talk about moments that, that watch people respond to them. How many just thankful you had an altar to come to to pray and seek the name of the Lord? Would you thank God for that? So he did. He opened the doors of the church, started studying. He, you can be seated. He'd been so far away from it. The priest had been so long since they had truly ministered in the house of God that some things were not done perfect. The priest didn't do it even perfect. He said, here, we've got to have a burnt offering. They did. They got the burnt offering in place. They, they got people singing, and there were some in Jerusalem. It were, there was such a great response of people that wanted to be there. He said, you know what we ought to do? What's that? What's that, Hezekiah? We ought to send a letter out to every tribe all the Jews and invite them to the feast of the Passover. You know, it hasn't been done in a long time that we can have people to make the pilgrimage back to Jerusalem and do this again. Are y'all with me tonight? Let's, let's, let's do something big. Let's get every, have everybody come home. Let's everybody have them to come back to Jerusalem and worship again. And let's get everybody back here and stay a week. This way it was written in the scripture. And the Bible says he sent the letters to Manasseh and Ephraim, and they mocked him. They scoffed and scorned the letter. Oh, but Zebulun and Issachar said, we're going. Judah, the Bible says that God stirred their whole heart, that they in one accord and unity decided, we're all going back to the house of God. They gathered, and when they did, guess what? The priests were in order. Praise the name of the Lord. The priests were in order. The vessels were put out the way they used to be. The altar was in its place. The doors had been repaired and people began to gather and there was, there was singing and music and praise and people that came there, they started crying. I know it. It's not written in scripture this way, but I know there were some parents that came that said, kids, Colton, this is what we were telling you. Listen to this. They could hear the singing when they're coming from the north, south, east, and west. You could hear the singing of people worshiping God as they're coming to the pilgrimage to thank God that they're no longer in Egypt and that everything they have is because God had given it to them. And day after day, they came in and they went right in there. They had the Passover out, the feast of the Passover, and people started eating the bread with unclean hands. They're supposed to have been sanctified and cleansed, but they... Honestly, they just so glad to be there. They didn't know any better. They just sort of showed up. They, they had dirty hands and they were eating holy bread. And they look out and there was some concern. 
there was some concern because we got people that aren't doing it right at the house of God. They, they're partaking of spiritual holy things, but they're dirty. They, I don't know how many years it's been. It could have been 20 plus years that they've had a feast of the Passover. And the priests look out and unclean people are partaking of clean things. And Hezekiah goes before the Lord and says, Oh God, Lord, there's a lot of people here and they're so happy. The Bible says they were rejoicing and glad. Lord, what do I do? We've got people that are here that aren't right, but they're hungry. He said, God, would you pardon them? And the Bible says the Lord healed them all. You know what it was saying? It says hunger is more powerful than perfection. Come on now. I've seen the perfect that didn't want to be here, but I've seen the imperfect that were just hungry. Just feed me. I'm hungry for the word of God. I'm hungry for another move of the spirit. Hallelujah. That's what they said to Jesus, by the way, and they came to Jesus and they said, Lord, we're concerned about your, your followers here. And what are you concerned about? They don't wash their hands before they eat. They're, they're eating corn on the sap, they're plucking corn. He said, have you not read? Have you not read? Were David's men that were not supposed to partake of the shoe bread that the priest God allowed them to eat of the holy bread? He said, is there not a law of hunger? Am I not the Lord of the Sabbath? I'm gonna tell you right now, none of us are truly perfect, but there's one thing that unites us on a Sunday evening service. We're hungry for a good old fashioned touch of God. We're hungry for a good old move of God. So if you're here and you say, but preacher, I messed up last night. Can I tell you, there's some bread for you. You say, I messed up last week. Can I tell you, there's some bread for you. Your hunger will bring the pardon of God. Let's stand. Let's clap our hands and thank God for his word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says they had such an amazing time. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't want to ever lose my hunger for the house of God. Hey, hey, don't get mad at me if somebody's not perfect gets used. Well, they haven't been in the church long enough to prophesy. They're the ones hungry for it. Well, I thought you had to go 20 weeks classes, graduate from four Bible colleges, and then prophesy. Hunger. God can use whoever he wants to use. They can be eight or 80. It doesn't matter to God. Oh, they're hungry. God's going to use who he wants to use. I'll tell you what I feel. I'll tell you what I feel. If you lose your hunger for it, God will send somebody to take your spot. You don't want it, he'll send somebody to get your spot, amen. But everybody in this room that is here right now, there's one thing that unites every single person that is gathered because you didn't have to be here if you didn't want to be here. But you said, you know what, I'm weary, but I want to go to the house of God. And when you got here, you feel something moving in your soul right now. It's the presence of God. Why don't you reach out and take some of that bread? Why don't you reach out and take some of the bread of God tonight? Hallelujah. How many of you are hungry? Hungry? <laughs> hungry? Hungry for a move of God. Pastor, I know we've been here seven days. The grass is growing back home. Things need done, but we've all been talking all week. Everybody's talking this. The whole assembly has talking this. Can we stay another week? That's what they said. Would it be, I know it's only for seven days in the law, but we're not here to fulfill law. We're not here to just do the least to get by. We like it so much. It's been so many years since we've been together. Oh, Brother Zebulon, Tribe and Manasseh are talking. Asher and Judah are hanging out and singing together and said, it feels so good to be together. Is it all right if we just stay another week? Look at your neighbor and say, it's okay just to stay another week, amen. Hallelujah.
How many feel that way about the house of God? I was glad when they said it to me. They got so stirred in one week, they stayed a second. In the second week, they got so stirred in worshiping day after day after day after day. They got in the word, the Bible says in the next chapter, God, or in the end of the chapter, God heard them from his place in heaven. The next chapter, they were so grateful, they started coming and giving and bringing heaps of blessing. We're so thankful, just want to give, want to bless. They did. They tried to figure out how to do it, and it put the priest in order. And then, then all of a sudden, chapter 32, and uh, I feel this tonight. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, Always rejoice. Evermore. Rejoice evermore. That means when things go wrong, I'm going to praise him anyhow. I'm going to shout hallelujah anyhow. Come on, I'm going to worship God anyhow. God's going to bring me through this. Hey, young people, praise him anyhow. All the old saints in the church, I said it wrong, I'm in trouble. All the elders in the church, praise them anyhow. All you young families, somebody shout, praise them anyhow. When shall we praise him? Continually. When they got so grateful to be back in the house of God, man, the, the, the desire to give and be a part happened. And guess what happened in the next chapter? Sennacherib, the Assyrian king, the number one king that could conquer, said, I'm going to come in and I'm going to conquer them. And he set up his enemy around them. Don't you remember Ahaz, what he did when Ahaz was defeated by the Assyrian king? He started worshiping their gods. Y'all have a minute? How about this side? Do y'all have a minute? Amen. Watch. Sennacherib shows up and he's going to fight them. And Hezekiah, he starts, all right, now everybody, everybody, we need to get some darts together, get some shields together. We've got to get ready to fight. He built some towers. He put some men of war over the different divisions of the people that were in Jerusalem. He, he started getting ready. And then he said to them, be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria nor for all the multitude that is with, with him. For there be more with us than with him. Look at your neighbor and say, there's more with us than against us. This is what he said, verse 8. He said in verse 8, he said, with him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Come on. When you, put, when you open the house of God, and you got the house of God in order, and you got the singing and the praising and the word where it should be and the altar where it should be, guess what? The Lord's gonna fight your battles for you. He didn't say there wouldn't be enemies that rise up against you, but he said the Lord's gonna fight your battles for you. Some of you in this room, you feel like Sennacherib has set up an army to destroy you, maybe even your family, but I got news for the enemy. Greater is he that is with me than he that is in the world. I want somebody to declare it. I want you to declare that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Oh, I feel something coming over me right now. We need you to open your mouth and start declaring the promises of the Lord. Be strong and do not be fearful. Be strong and be courageous. God's going to win this battle. God's going to fight your battle. I wish somebody would look at your neighbor and say, God's going to fight the battle for you. It's, it's done. They get the army in place. Come on, any of you got your swords in your hand? Pull your sword out. You ready to fight? Enemy's coming. He's waiting on Sennacherib to attack, but he doesn't come. You know what he does? Watch, 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 watch. Are you listening? He sends messengers running through Jerusalem. You, you five, come here. You five well put together young teenagers. I want you to go down that aisle. Right there. I want you to go down that aisle. And I want you to go down to the middle aisle. I want you to go down this aisle. I want you to go down that aisle. He sent messengers through the crowd 
of Jerusalem to the Jews. And this, hold, stop. You got to act like you're talking to people. Huh? Hold on a minute. You're messengers. And this is what they were saying. There's a whole, there's a whole deal. It, it, it says, it says what they said. And this is what the, the says. Um, it went something like, Doth not Hezekiah persuade you to give over yourselves to die by famine and by thirst, saying, The Lord our God shall deliver us out of the hand of the king of Assyria. Hath not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, Ye shall worship before one altar and burn incense upon it? Know ye not what I and my fathers have done unto all the people of other lands? This is what, this is what Sennacherib sent through these messengers. Were the gods of the nations of those lands anyways able to deliver their lands out of my hand? Who was there among all the gods of those nations that my fathers utterly destroyed that could deliver his people out of mine hand? That your God should be able to deliver you out of mine hand? Now therefore, let not Hezekiah deceive you, nor persuade you in this manner, neither yet believe him. For no God of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people out of my fathers. How much less shall your God deliver you out of mine hand? False messengers ran through Hezekiah's kingdom, sowing doubt against the man of God who opened the doors to the house of God. Hezekiah went and got the prophet. He said, Isaiah, we need to pray. Isaiah came, and the Bible says, and for this cause, Hezekiah the king and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried to heaven. Are you ready? They prayed to the Lord, and one verse later, verse 21, here goes. Y'all still with me? All right, now, Cracker Barrel's still open. Watch what it says. One prayer. And the Lord sent an angel. That's singular. Everybody hold up your finger and say, one angel. Which cut off all the mighty men of valor and the leaders and the captains in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned with shame. Who? Sennacherib. Of shame of face to his own land. And when he was coming to the house of his God, they that came forth of his own vows, his own kids, slew him there with the sword. Sennacherib said, your God can't deliver you out of my hand. God sent one angel and destroyed 185,000 of the enemy in one day, in one moment, 185,000. I'm telling you, God's going to fix it. Don't shut it down. Amen. Praise him and worship him. God's going to send an angel. God's going to send a word. God's going to take care of what the enemy's trying to sow and destroy. I want you to look at your neighbor. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, God's going to take care of this situation tonight. Come on. I want you to say, God is going to take care of this situation tonight. like Sennacherib, the enemy's been opposing you and your family, I want you to come. Stand right here in the altar. Come on. Came to church anyhow. Humble yourself. Be obedient to the Lord. Try and oppose everything you've been doing. Ought to be some husbands and wives up here. They're so thankful. Isn't that awesome? They said, Why, can we just stay another week? How many feel that way? All of you in the building is thinking I'm going to call a two-week revival, aren't you? Been known to do it. Tonight, it's over. The Lord is going to send the angel. He's going to fix it. One night of prayer. One prayer moment. One moment. You've heard the word. You've worshiped. You've responded. Now we're going to pray. And God's going to send an angel and fix it. Do you believe God can do that? Hallelujah. 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 Go ahead and lift your hands and ask the Lord to fix your situation. I went all over the building. 
Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I want the congregation of the saints, of the people of God right now, I want you to stretch your hands forth and pray. Woo! Come on, miracles are in this building right now. And the angel of the Lord. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.